This is Hallway Chats, where we meet people who use WordPress. We ask questions, and our guests share their stories, ideas, and perspectives. And now the conversation begins. This is episode 74. Welcome to Hallway Chats. I'm Liam Dempsey. And I'm Tara Clays. Today we're joined by Lindsay Miller. Lindsay is a WordPress pro by trade and a political junkie at heart. When she's not traveling the world with her husband and two tiny humans, she can be found creating magic for customers at Liquid Web on the managed WordPress team. Welcome, Lindsay. Glad to have you here on Hallway Chats. Thanks for having me here today. You're most welcome. Thanks for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, more than what Tara just shared, please? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I found WordPress through um, the guy that I was dating at the time, and now I'm married to, um, Corey Miller. And um, he got me into blogging right away. And at the time, I was a political consultant uh, focusing on fundraising for um, political campaigns. And so um, I tried to um, be an expert at both of those things, right? And eventually left politics and now just focus strictly on WordPress. So I want to ask a quick question about that. He got <laughs> yeah. me into blogging right away. Would First date? Or are we, you know, like once there was a relationship <laughs> and it started yeah. to dig into it. I, I feel like I need to hear more about this if you're willing to share. You guys know Corey Miller, so I'm sure you can imagine, right? Um, one of our very first dates, he said, I need to hire you. You need to come work for me. And I looked him straight in the eyes and I said, you can't afford me. I will never work for you. Um, eventually he married, we got married and I did start working for him <laughs> and for free, no less. So, um, apparently I, I ate my words. Um, but so politics, especially how I was doing it, and I think it's changed in the last eight or nine years, was still very traditional. And you had some people that you go get a website, you're starting to take donations and have an email list, but um, no one was blogging about it. No one was really talking about it. And so we started a, a blog called Call Time Blog. And I started writing about fundraising and tips and tricks that I wanted to share with people. And for about three or four years, if you Googled anything about political fundraising, that little blog on iThemes theme called Bonsai um, <laughs> would be one of the first things that popped up. And um, it really helped me gain confidence in what I was doing. So yeah, I mean, he encouraged it very early on and um, I'm glad he did. Yeah, so that call time blog that you had it was tips and tricks for for political people was it a um it wasn't was it a partisan type of thing or was it just general information on how to do political fundraising yeah it wasn't partisan it was just general information and things that i did and ideas that i wanted to give people and um consultants are expensive so it was kind of like uh, i've always believed in um people voting and running for office no matter which side of the line they were on. Although, of course, you know, I had my own interest. I think that our country is better by more people being involved in the process. And so it was sort of a way to put something out on the web to help anybody running for office. Um, it turned into something called Political Head Start, which is still out there. Um, and I, I do what everybody does these days. It's a course 
on um, how to raise your first, you know, five, ten, or fifteen thousand dollars to then go hire a consultant. So that's really interesting. I uh, is it so it's still around, but you just changed the name of it. Did you move all the yeah? Content? Okay, yeah, I moved all the content. Um, I, I don't blog on it as heavily as I probably should to be honest, right? Like we all know right. um, <laughs> what to do. I also did an update uh, WordPress core and I got hacked a couple of months ago. So like I'm all of the um, reasons and examples of what you shouldn't do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and now you have another job with liquid web. So this you have this, that the blog is now sort of your side. It's your side gig. Yeah, exactly. I've been a little busy um, with other things. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know that you and Corey are sort of um, a WordPress couple and we see you on the web and at conferences and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about what that's like for you, especially because Corey is, is one of the, um, I would say leaders in WordPress and that he has a large company that he's had for a long time and has really made a lot of uh, changes in the WordPress space and what he's built and developed. And so I know a lot of people follow him and look up to him. And he's also doing some great things with mental health in the WordPress space. So just I'm just curious to hear a little bit about what it's like from your seat in that relationship and how you um, how you guys approach that. Yeah, thanks. That's a great question. And I'm gonna get a little warm and fuzzy because I think at the core of it it's Okay, it sounds cheesy, but it's a love story. And like when we met, um, it didn't take long. We knew we'd found our person. Um, and so we were pretty much inseparable from like the very beginning. So we started dating. We were engaged uh, four months after that and married within 10 months um, from meeting. And it's been nine years now and going strong. And so we just, we enjoy each other's company and being around each other and, um, we find, I mean, I find him intellectually stimulating and, and he does um, the same with me. And so it was just a natural thing to do work together as we were doing life together. And so it's been really fun um, getting to see him, you know, talking to people and just how much he cares about strangers and friends and everyone in the WordPress community just makes me love them even more. And so um, I've relished the opportunity to be able to, to be with him at word camps and watch what he does even on Twitter and how he reaches out to people. It's just, it's just, he's a very, very special person. So it's been um, nice to be able to do all of this with him. Yeah, I, I agree. I just saw him speak recently and, uh, you can really tell he's very genuine in how he reaches out to people and, and he speaks about you a lot and you can tell from what he says as well that your relationship is a really important valuable part of of not just your relationship with each other but how you relate to other people which I think is is really great and also I know your kids too are a big part of of what you guys talk about and, and share so um so thanks for being I guess role models in that in terms of having a relationship that works within the WordPress space as business people, as well as how you pull that into your personal space and how you share that with us. I think that's really cool. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to ask you um, a question we ask everyone, and this may relate to what I was just saying, which is what is your definition of success, Lindsay? Personal, professional, combination of the two, whatever road you want to go down there. So I was prepared for this, you guys, because I listened to the podcast, obviously, and I'm a huge fan. And so I knew it was coming. Um, and so 
I have to go with my original answer the first time I thought about it. Um, and for me, it's two parts. So I am an achiever at heart. It is one of my defining moments of myself. And so within any day, I make a checklist. And so I have my my daily version of success. And then I have, you know, the, the monthly, the yearly, the lifelong version of success. So my daily is simple. I, I have to check my things off my list. Um, and my achieverness is quite serious. So if I forget to get the dry cleaning or I don't have enough time to get that done, I really do feel like I've failed on my entire day, even if I completed a 25 other things. Um, so I really like to check off all of my boxes and, um, and feel good at the end of the day. And then um, the other part of that, which is probably more in tune with who I am as a person is what does success look like? Um, over my life or over a year, over five years, you know, over a longer period of time. And I think that comes down to just like doing good in the world. And so when we kind of talk, uh, sometimes, you know, when you can get down like in this granular like level, you can say, what do you do work for? Do you do work for good, for a purpose? Do you do work to pay the bills? You know, that type of thing. And I think, um, I've always done like, I'd probably work for free if I was doing good in the world rather than like working to pay bills. Like I'd rather have a not new car and a smaller house and um, secondhand clothes than just chase after, um, you know, the almighty dollar, so to speak. Um, And then, or if, you know, you're able to marry those things together, then that's even better. But for me, it's like, it's just about, doing good and feeling good about myself on making the world a better place. And that's where success is for me. I love that definition. It's very both practical in the here and now, and also really thinking about the, the wider purpose. And I guess I have, I have two follow-up questions. Uh, the first is around your daily definition of success. And if ticking everything off is such an important factor to your success rate, if you will. How do you manage knowing how many things are right to put on the daily checklist? Because I have a daily checklist of about 97 things and I get to about four of them every day. And I don't stress anymore about moving it over the next day. I used to, but I wonder about that. And I really wonder if you do have any advice and guidance how to make sure that my daily to-do list is a 97. And then to kind of balance that with your wider definition of success and doing good in the world, getting back to checklists, you know, there's doing good in a gentle way, you know, giving your husband a nice hug in the morning and saying good morning or making your children breakfast is a good, but there's good at so many different levels, right? There's feeding the hungry out, you know, maybe at your, at your local food shelter or doing something at your church. And how do you, how do you approach doing good to make sure that, the good you're doing is the kind of good you want to be doing at the level you want to be doing it. And that's a big question. So sorry for just throwing that at you. <laughs> well, now I'm going to answer over the next hour and a half. Um, <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry. I, I went deep fast on that one. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. Um, the first one and give yourself some time to think about the second. How do you, how do you work that? So um, I did not say that it was one that should be emulated um, <laughs> by 
any means. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it probably drives my husband crazy because um, there are days where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I, I didn't get everything done today. And we have to kind of sit down and, and talk uh, through those feelings. Um, but I feel like what I do is I prioritize them, right? So um, anytime that I'm looking um, at my day, I kind of say, okay, here's what I have to absolutely get done today. And so I try to do those first, but I also try to do some big wins early in the day. So if there's like just a simple email that I need to get sent or a meeting that needs to get scheduled, um, I'll, try to, I'll try to kind of like intermingle those so that I can be like, get some easy stuff done, add my little check mark and, and move on. Um, but I mean, yes, if there were 97 things on my to-do list, um, that would be a lot of unhappy Lindsay probably going on. Um, and so that's probably it too. I, I, um, I will schedule things out as well. So I'll say, here's a, a really big task. And I just know that I have to get little pieces of that task done up until, you know, Friday at noon or something like that. Um, and so that kind of helps me manage that as well. So I'm a tool person. And uh, do you do this all handwritten on a planner? How, what do you do? I do. I was, I was, so I have like a little notepad and it says like, do it now, do it later. And yeah. then... I put dates and stuff next to everything. Yeah. Cool. I should probably be more savvy technologically. No, with that. no, I think hand, I have to handwrite it too. I use a lot of tools as well, but when it comes to the day to day, it's very satisfying to check that out. So yeah, just wanted to ask what your method was. Go ahead. Keep going. So yeah, to circle back to the second question is, is how do you think about an approach doing good on the many levels and causes? That, that pull at your yeah. heart and at your mind? So for me, I think it, you're right. It can be as simple as um, doing something nice for a neighbor. Um, we had a neighbor who recently lost her husband. And so I've tried to make a real effort to, when we have like make a bigger meal at our house and make containers and send it over. Um, one of my very dearest friends in the world um, chose a path of single motherhood and found someone um, to be the father of her child. And so I've been trying to co-work from her house and like do good. And then it, it's also on a grander scale too, um, of, I serve on some nonprofit boards and, um, try to make donations to charities. And, um, I definitely have like those heartstrings, right? If there's something that's going on, um, I try to give more of myself, whether financially or time. Um, and, and to do things very purposefully um, towards that end. So if um, there's, there's always one cause or another that I'm fundraising for or working towards or um, on a picket line with, you know, all of yeah. those things. So I just try to get out of myself and try to put others first um, as much as I possibly can. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Let me, let me change gears a little bit with you then and, and talk to you a little bit about as you transition from politics to tech, right? You were uh, a political consultant focused on, it sounded like helping grassroots campaigns get off the ground. And now you're, you're working with a website host. Uh, and, and that's, that's different. Talk us through that transition. Yeah. So at the core, 
Um, I tease that being a partner manager at a hosting company is kind of like politics without um, some of the drama Um, because it's still relational, right? It's about relationships and it's about getting to know people and their businesses and what what they need to find success and helping them do that. Um, But the transition and I, I think that's actually, I'm talking at WordCamp DFW next weekend about this, about a career reboot um, and saying, how can you take politics and turn it into technology with a little stint of a stay-at-home mom in there, by the way, too. Um, and at the core, I think I, I owe a lot to Chris Lemma, um, my supervisor at Liquid Web, for seeing skills in me that I didn't even know that I possessed. And it's funny, we still have talks sometimes. And he's like, I need you to, to create this list and, you know, whatever. And he puts it in political terms. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can totally do that. And he's like, yeah, I know you can. That's why I hired you. And that's why I brought you on board is like, I know you can do these things. So I think, um, having him on my side and obviously again, you know, Corey encouraging me all of the way, um, really helped me take this knowledge by osmosis, if you will, of WordPress and turn it into a real career like I have at liquid web. And so, um, I've definitely had the support team around me to help, um, define that a little bit better. Yeah. And so you are going, you're going to this, or you went to this um, job from stay at home mom. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that transition as well. And about the challenges of, of still being home. I think you are working from home most of the time with your kids and how you manage that. Yeah. So um, working at Liquid Web is so much easier than staying at home with my kids. <laughs> that was a tough job. I'll be honest. There's no break. There's no break. No. There's no break. None. Um, they're awesome. I love my children, but I was really excited to go back to work. Um, it reminds me like years ago, I saw this cartoon, um, and it was like a duck getting off the elevator, going to work. And he had like the briefcase and it's like, um, coming to work on Monday, like after the weekend. And like, he's just like, Oh, why am I here? It's on Monday. And then the next frame was the same duck, like going to work after the weekend when you have kids and the duck's like, yes, I'm so excited to be at work. Right. (laughs) That that totally defines um, my decision to go back to work is I was the duck going, yes, I need a little bit of a break. And I'm so excited um, to go to work and use my brain and come up with new ideas and um, clever tactics and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so um, I, I was just kind of putting a little bit of feelers out saying, yeah, hey guys, I'm, hey friends, I'm thinking about doing this and using my skills. Um, and uh, Chris latched on immediately and was like, do not talk to anyone else. And I have, I have a thing for you. And so I was really his first hire at Liquid Web after he took the VP spot. Yeah. And they were starting new stuff too. So you were kind of growing with them as they developed this. So that must be yeah. a good evolution for you because you, they were setting things up and you were involved in that process, I believe. So Yeah, absolutely. It was like he hired a lot of us that had um, been entrepreneurs in our own sense. So if you look at some of the team that he's built, um, a lot of us had, had done that before. And so he went, okay, I'm trying to build something. I need people that can be self-motivated and, um, creative and hardworking, you know, to do something brand new and, 
frankly, enter a managed WordPress space that was already quite crowded, right? And come in and say, well, we, we don't necessarily need to be number one, but maybe we can be a solid number two or a number three choice, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's what we've aimed to do. I was intrigued when you talked about Chris framing this project that he wants you to address or lead on or that project by talking mm -hmm. about it in terms that were relevant and struck a chord with you talking about political this and political terms that rather than using technology. And that's really interesting that that choice of communication, because in effect, the work's the same, right? Whatever it is, it's put on event, it's get new clients, it's bring money into the organization and in some way, but framing it in a way that allow that empowers you to say, I totally get what that means. Yeah, I know how to do that. And it's a different playing field. It's technology, it's not politics, but that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's been, he's really helped me grow a lot in the last two, because I've almost been there two years now. Wow. Um, and so he's really helped me grow in that way. Um, and yeah, I owe him a lot to be able to do that. Yeah. Sounds like it. So let me ask you this before we, we move too much further on. We've talked a lot of it out transitioning careers. We've talked about starting a new relationship. We've talked about motherhood and uh, getting back into the workplace. What's been your biggest challenge to date? And how have you overcome it? Or if it's ongoing, how are you continuing to address it? So my biggest challenge, I mean, I'd have to take it um, immediately to personal, um, level. And I, I'm going to do the, like this whole Corey Miller thing, right? Like you just throw your heart out there. But, um, I lost my brother last year. My little brother passed away after a long illness, um, with multiple sclerosis. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna, I'm, you guys really are going to make me cry. You're going to have the moment. And Corey uh, made me cry when he talked about this in Baltimore, by the way. So. Yeah. Oh, he talked about this in Baltimore. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so yeah, it's it that has definitely been the biggest struggle. And he, he was diagnosed when he was 15. And my father also has multiple sclerosis. And so, you know, there have been a lot of challenges with both of their health and watching them go through it. Um, but it almost, I don't know, in some ways made us all really strong and closer and um, made me a better person, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but but his death has been really tough. Um, and I mean, I remember like, you know, kids, they're so, my, and my son is one of the kindest, hardest, um, like souls on, on the planet. Like, um, and so he had asked um, daddy why mommy was sad. And he said, well, you know, Uncle Chris, he, he's passed away and he's gone. And um, and so Callaway comes up and puts his hand on me and says, you know, it's okay, mommy, I'll go get him and I'll, and I'll bring him back to you, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, that's, that's been the hardest thing. And um, there's still, yeah, it's, it's still a struggle. It's yeah. still a struggle. So it was just us. Um, and so, yeah, that's, yeah, that's definitely the hardest thing. And it's, you know, I don't know that you ever get over it, right? So it's still a, um, <laughs> my friend said, so she lost her daughter when we were in college. I was president of the sorority. And so I got to know her parents really well. She was one of our, my sorority sisters. Mm -hmm. And her mom and dad came over to my house um, just this year. We were talking about it. And she, she said, it's like walking around with a rock in your shoe. 
it's always there. Someday as the rock kind of moves around and, and it's easier as you're, you know, going down the road and you know, it's there, but you're walking around and you're still having a good time. She goes, and sometimes the rock hurts so bad. You just have to stop and put your feet up. Mm. And I think that, um, summarizes exactly how I feel. So some days it's okay. And some days I just have to stop and take a break. That's a beautiful analogy. Really. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I, I followed your story a bit and um, can relate to it as well. We lost a, a brother at too young of an age as well. When my t- children were small too. And those, those things, their perspectives are heartwarming and they're a treasure. And you, I can say that you, as they grow up, Chris will still be part of their life and their picture and their view of the world. And it has dramatically impacted the kind of people that my kids have turned out to be to have that as part of their life. So yeah. there's, there's grace in it, but they we're all going to be crying <laughs> I know, right? Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. That's something we can all understand, I think, right? Is like loss, like we've all experienced it in one form or another. So kind of brings us together in a weird way, doesn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately. Human experience and it hits us all differently and through different people and at different times and in different ways. But that community of, yeah, I get that hurt. And, you know, Lindsay's hurt is different than Tara's and different than mine, but there's a commonality there. And thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. The rock and not easy to do publicly. So thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe I'll ask you one more question and we'll see where you take us. It's about advice. advice. And the question is, is what's the best advice you've ever been given or you've ever received, or maybe you got from a book and have successfully implemented in your life? Yeah. So, um, and I always have to take it back to Corey, don't I? But, um, Corey well, said something to me. He's not listening. <laughs> I, I have to. Right. <laughs> it, it shows you how like integral he is to my life. Um, but he's he said something to me one time that's always stuck. And um it's your amount of success is determined by the number of hard or difficult conversations you're willing to have. And it kind of came up in regards to going back to work and me being really scared and um it felt different, right? So again, going back to a little bit to politics, but I felt really comfortable giving advice or speaking up at a table with people because I knew that I, I knew my stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of going into this new world, I had a lot of self-doubt and um, I was losing my confidence and, and still kind of struggle with that sometimes. Um, but he said, you know, if you want to be successful at this and you're, it's okay to have difficult conversations and the amount of those that you're willing to do will have a direct impact on how far you're going to go. And so, yeah, over the, over the last the couple of years, I've had to, you know, speak truth to power, so to speak, right. in in my own little way um, at, at liquid web and um, be a little bit braver than I wanted to be in some of those situations. But it has had a, um, you know, a correlation in how well I've done. And I guess the fact that I still get paid and I still have a job there you know, helps solidify that feeling a little bit. Yeah. Does, does mindfulness come into play with that at all? I would think when you're having those difficult conversations, sometimes we have knee-jerk 
conversations. And then we have the difficult conversations that we really think about a lot before embarking on them. How do you, do you differentiate between those? I don't know that I have a lot of difficult knee jerk conversations, right? I I just, that's just not my, my style. I probably would be more of like, okay, I'm going to think about this for a couple of days and write notes. And I'm, so if I probably, so if I ever have to have a tough conversation with you guys, I'm going to come with like a, an outline, <laughs> like, cause I really want to make sure that I think through it. And, um, I expect what rebuttals are going to come my way and have, you know, answers for those or examples for my point. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't have many knee jerk, at least in work. Right. Um, yeah. careful. I think courage is a big part of that, right? We know, the answer, or we at least know the problem, we might not know the answer. And it's, do we have the courage to find a way to pipe up and say, here's what I think the problem is, or here's an answer, or here's a solution, or here's a fault, and then you're making right. it. And to do it in a way that is constructive and supportive and ultimately working toward success and not just throwing mud or throwing rocks over the wall. Yeah, yeah I like that. Absolutely. And and it's also not keeping it inside, right? Like not letting it fester. Like, you know, that there's an issue and you go, I know how to fix that issue. And you just like, it doesn't help to just like tell your spouse and your friends about it. Right. 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 Well, it doesn't in the short term, but in the long term, it doesn't, it doesn't resolve. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I think sometimes those difficult, those difficult conversations, um, take a while to, uh, to resolve. For me personally, I sometimes have difficult conversations and feel very self-conscious about them until they have completed their process, if I'm making any sense. So are there times when that difficult conversation, when you wish that you didn't have it, I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Even if you've thought it out and outlined it and everything. I don't think so. I mean, just even you guys can probably tell just from the few minutes we've spent together today. Um, I'm definitely one of those people that would rather get my feelings out and say the thing that I want to say rather than holding on to it. Um, and if I'm wrong and if like a that difficult conversation doesn't go my way, I'm probably learning something from it. Yeah. Um, and so I probably, I, I, I try to approach it that way. So, yeah. That's good. Thanks for sharing that perspective yeah it's a skill set to learn how to talk about contentious issues in a way that enables us to share candidly but without attacking the person mm-hmm. and also hearing constructive feedback or even just straight up negative words that are intended to hurt and just not being hurt by them and it's like they're just not in a good place right now and speaking of learning learning to speak tactfully i'm going to tactfully share that we are out of time <laughs> well done you did, you did a really good job with that yeah <laughs> Lindsay, this has been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for your candid sharing with us before we before we say goodbye to you will you let us and let our listeners know where they can find you online please yeah absolutely so i'm on twitter at Lindsay miller wp um and if you want to talk about anything regarding liquid web it's lmiller at liquidweb.com Thank you very much. Appreciate your being here today. And also, 
want to acknowledge that Liquid Web has been an early supporter and you specifically an early supporter of this podcast. And we're really grateful for that. So thank you for being part of Hallway Chats since its very first episode. My absolute Here, 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 here. Thank you. Yes. The trust has uh, been wonderful. Thank yeah. you. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. We sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you like what we're doing here, meeting new people in our WordPress community, we invite you to tell others about it. We're on iTunes and at hallwaychats.com. Better yet, ask your WordPress friends and colleagues to join us on the show. Encourage them to complete the Beyond the Show form on our site to tell us about themselves.